Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Fourteen years ago, Danny Burt, a physically active teenager, sustained devastating injuries in a motorcycle accident. She was placed into a medically induced coma and after she awoke, she learned that her right leg had been amputated above the knee. She was devastated and felt as if her life for all intents and purposes was over. She nevertheless summoned the strength to ultimately not just survive, but to thrive in her new circumstances. She went from being a recipient of rehabilitative services to becoming a physical therapist herself. She also went from not just resuming her active lifestyle, but to taking up an entirely new sport and achieving world-class status in that new pursuit. Here now to tell us her story is Danny, a world champion adaptive surfer and a firm believer in the idea that you never know what's possible until you accept the challenge to pursue goals that seem unlikely and perhaps unachievable. So Danny, you're a world champion adaptive surfer and a physical therapist, but take us back to before either of those things happened. You were always pretty active growing up, right? Did that include surfing and and what other types of physical things did that include? I was pretty active growing up. I didn't surf when I was younger. I was an avid skateboarder and bodyboarder throughout my life. It's something that I just love to do. I was never competitive in it, though. Surfing didn't come around till after I lost my leg. So what happened was in, in 2004, you were in a bad motorcycle accident. Can you talk to us about what happened then, sort of what you remember, what your injuries uh, were? And by the way, how old were you then? I was 19 when I had my motorcycle accident, and I actually remember almost all of it. So it was on a Sunday day in July and on, you know, a typical motorcycle ride. And we were going through a mountain that I had never been on. And I was on a straightaway. I had no one else on my bike, but I had some friends following me on their bikes. And I see a turn coming up, and there was no sign. So I expected it to be a wide turn. And when I went into this turn, it turned out to be a 180S turn. So I was going way too fast. And I tried to lay down my bike. And once I got pretty close to sliding out, I had to slam my brakes because the guardrail was coming up. And with uh, the speed and momentum, it just made my bike go straight up, and I ended up hitting the guardrail. As soon as I hit that guardrail, I blacked out. My friends saw me, and they said I went about 25 feet in the air and then went down the mountain about 45 feet. But fortunately enough for me, I was caught by some bushes because it was a 400-foot drop-off. Uh, And when I ended up hitting the ground, I woke up. So I was facing down on the dirt, and my friends ended up jumping down and coming to find me. And there was also a nurse driving in a car behind all of us, so she ended up coming down. Um, And when when I woke up, I was just like, whoa, this is a nightmare. Like, I knew what happened, and I tried to just get up. And they were like, do not move. And I was like, okay, so just lay here. And I couldn't 
it, it was strange because I couldn't feel anything. Like, I could feel uh, the dirt and the brush on my face, but I couldn't feel the rest of my body. And then I started to get really tired. It felt like a movie almost because my vision just turned into tunnel vision and everything seemed really far away. Being a bodyboarder growing up, I would go into some heavy surf and I've had some, like, very close calls. I've been held down for a long time, so, you know, you sort of have that feeling of drowning. But this was, like, a whole other feeling. This was like I am dying right now. So I told them, I was like, if they don't, whoever's coming, if they don't hurry up, you know, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm, I'm tired. And the nurse was just, just saying to keep her awake. And they decided, the hospital paramedics decided to come and get me with the ambulance instead of life flight me because it would uh, take too long to life flight me out of that situation. The paramedics ended up coming and they came down the mountain and uh, they were setting up everything to roll me over off the board. And as they rolled me over, you could hear all my ribs just snapping. But I could feel it. Fortunately, and I was just thinking in my head how much that would hurt, and the like the EMTs they're cursing. But you, but you heard it. You heard it, so you knew that was really bad. Oh yeah, and I knew the fact that I was so tired, and that I had this tunnel vision, and I can't feel the rest of my body. Like I knew all those things were really bad, and just like the way my friends were talking to me, I knew it had to be really bad. So they ended up picking me up. Uh, the side of the mountain, I could move my right arm, so I kept on pulling off the oxygen mask because I just, I couldn't breathe. And that's when I ended up losing consciousness, and I don't remember anything from there. And then I ended up going to the hospital, and I was in the operating room for 12 hours. Uh, somewhere along the way, you were put into a medically induced coma, and, and uh, my, it's my understanding you spent five weeks in that coma, and then you woke up to find out that your right leg had been amputated above the knee. Talk to me about that and, and sort of your immediate reaction coming out of the coma. I mean, that must have been just a horrible moment. Well, with this accident, I suffered from a lot of injuries. Like, I had fractures my left humerus, my neck at C6, all my ribs, my right tib fib. I ruptured my spleen. I had a left brachial plexus injury, and I collapsed both my lungs. So I was dealing with, like, a lot of things. So, yes, they ended up putting me into that drug-induced coma because I also coded in the operating room twice, um, and that's where I acquired a mild brain injury from lack of oxygen. So they put me into that drug-induced coma because my vitals were so bad, and during that time, that's when I developed acute respiratory distress syndrome. I had to have, like, six chest tubes and a trach put in. And during that whole time, they were trying to save my right leg. So I had, like, an X-fix on and everything. And since I was so fragile and my vitals would just, like, you know, plummet at any point, every time they went to go and debride my leg, they couldn't really, you know, get into it enough. You know, they were doing their best to save it, but it's just like I, my body just couldn't take it. So it, it ended up getting to a point where I got gangrene in my right knee. And then with ours on top of that, you know, my body's trying to fight this infection in my leg instead of saving my lungs. So then it got to that point where they had to amputate my leg above the knee. And right after they did that on August 15th, I started to get dramatically better really quickly. So they were able to take me out of that drug-induced coma. But since I was out for five weeks, I had no strength. I had, like, nothing. So I couldn't 
sit up and look at my leg, and then I have a trach, so I can't talk it out with somebody. And for me, what I was feeling, like, I was so, you know, doped up on everything, and I was also feeling, you know, phantom pain. So it actually felt like my right knee was flexed and then rotated going through the bed. And I knew Mm. in my head, being 19, I was like, that's not possible. But... I was so out of it. I was like, I was, I'm just going to let that fly for now. I'll figure it out later. But then it eventually got to the point where the MDs and the surgeons, they didn't they didn't want to tell me that my leg was gone until I can talk to people about it, I guess. But I was able to get a friend to admit to me that it was gone because I, I took their hand and put it on my left leg and sort of moved my left leg like up and down and then put it on my right leg and just hit it on my right leg and... They told me that I was gone, and I was just completely devastated, for sure. I was very, very upset. Like, I, I, it's hard to even explain how upset I was. I knew I was in this accident, but I didn't know any amputees at the time, and it was beyond being an amputee. It was like, I can barely move in bed. And with that left brachial plexus injury, I couldn't even move my left arm. So I was like, this is horrible. I can't even sit up and go to the bathroom, anything. Then after that, there was obviously a very long recovery and and rehabilitation process. Can you walk us through some of that? And physical therapy came along with all that, right? I had physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy for about six months, off and on a little bit there because there was a period where I was waiting for everything, uh, like the wounds on me to heal so I could start wearing a prosthesis. But, uh, yeah, for pretty much six months. So I had inpatient right away, acute care, and it's a little hazy as far as what I can remember, but I, the stuff that I do remember, they did an amazing job teaching me, like, wrapping techniques, and I was in so much pain at the time, uh, like, just really trying to find out what would work besides, like, pain medicine and all that. And then I was fortunate enough to be accepted into Sharp Memorial's rehab unit, acute rehab unit, so I was there inpatient and outpatient for uh, the remainder of my rehab. And besides that rehab, I was also given a scholarship to go into a community reentry program where you got even more physical therapy and occupational therapy. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choose PT. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. So was there a point that you can kind of remember when your outlook started to change from being pretty devastated about all this, understandably so, to having some optimism that being an amputee might be something that you could deal with and build from? My outlook on life wavered as I went through the grieving process. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, I can vividly remember just reflecting and looking back upon the friends that were there for me unconditionally, just there to support me and love me. And, uh, you know, it came to the point where I felt I had this vision to make. You know, life isn't really 
black and white, but for me, I felt like I had this decision of either giving up and not doing anything and, you know, not moving forward or putting in like 100% and trying. So being able to think and reflect upon those people that were there for me, that made it easier for me to choose the latter. Were you doing it for them then or were you doing it for yourself? For that moment, I feel like I was really doing it for them because I really appreciated their love. Because, you know, growing up, I came from a pretty, you know, abusive situation throughout my life, throughout my childhood. So I never really felt like I had people like that in my life that were just there for me. So to see that, I really valued that. So it really showed me that, like, there's a reason why they're here. And that gave me more value in myself. So, I mean, it goes both ways. I believe it it was a little bit of both, but a big part of it was those people. I want to talk to you a, a lot more about surfing shortly. But in the meantime, you made the decision at some point to think about pursuing a career in physical therapy. Why was that? And once you made that decision, how did you go about pursuing that goal? So when I was going through the community reentry program uh, with the speech therapist I was working with, that's when they started introducing me on, you know, how to get into college and go through that process. And one of the colleges I was interested in, Mesa Community College, they had a PTA program. So looking at what I had been through with therapy uh, and how impactful it was, I just thought in my head how amazing that would be to pay that forward. Uh, to people. But at that time, I was sort of iffy on it because I was still so, I was in a lot of pain. I didn't even know how much activity I would be able to tolerate. So I was a little up in the air about it. But once I started going through the process of, you know, community college and increasing my endurance and increasing my strength and being able to take on more and more classes, then I started to see the possibility of being able to be a physical therapist. During that time, I was asked by my friends, like, why not go for the physical therapy degree? And for me, that was just, like, my own self-doubt. You mean you mean as, as opposed to a PTA, which, of course, the PT would involve a lot more uh, school and, a, and a, a lot more um, time and effort than being a, a, becoming a PTA would have. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I never really considered going all the way to be a physical therapist because I was like, I wasn't even thinking about going to college before this accident happened, let alone going for my doctorate degree. So thinking about it, I just, I didn't have a good enough reason to not go for that degree once I really thought about it. So I decided to push myself and go for the physical therapist degree because overall I wanted to be in that field so I could pay it forward to others. So you you did ultimately become a, a PT. Can you talk a little bit about sort of where you're working now and, and, and what you're doing and um, how being an amputee and a physical therapist at the same time perhaps colors how you go about your job and relate to your patients? So currently I work at Sharp Memorial Hospital in acute care, uh, which is the same hospital where I was a patient. It's really meaningful for me to work in this setting because I get the opportunity to work with patients who were recently amputated. So it's just such an incredible feeling to be able to work with them on regaining their functional mobility and shedding a light on, you know, what it's like to be an amputee. I feel that it's meaningful for them in a way, too, because 
you know, they get to see me. They get to see what's possible with your amputation. And, you know, I hope with that it's, it makes it a little less daunting for them. How did your thought that you might turn to surfing and become an adaptive surfer, how, how did that idea start? And then how did you go about turning that vision into a reality? When I was in Sharp Memorial Rehab, there was a nonprofit organization called Challenge Athletes Foundation that ended up coming to visit me. They were just showing me how I could be athletic again. So they were showing me amputees who were in triathlons and, you know, running, swimming, biking, because at that moment, I didn't think it was even possible. And seeing that, I was like, cool. I can do triathlons, but it didn't show any amputee in action sports. So as I got out of the hospital, CAS taught me how to, like, run, bike, swim again. And through them, uh, I ended up going to Balboa Medical Navy Center, and that's where they show the PTs there how we do these activities so they can be better prepared to show the men and women coming back from the war at the time. Through that, I met my mentor, Betty Michalowicz, who is an exercise physiologist, and she also runs a surf clinic on Thursdays. And she invited me to go to one of these surf clinics. Uh, that was the first time I had ever been in the water with a surfboard, and I didn't even have a leg on at the time. And I definitely ate it really hard that day. But I was pretty stoked because now I know that, you know, I can get into the water pretty cool. And then one of the times that I went, I ended up meeting this guy, Parada, Alfino Parada. And he's an above-knee amputee that had made a surf leg for himself. It's like just a pylon and a bungee cord pretty much. But he was able to stand up and surf and surf pretty well. So once I saw that, I was like, it's on. I just need to figure out how to make my own surf leg because this isn't something, you know, that is sold or that health insurance would ever think about paying for. So I was able to take my old parts and with the help of my friend, Michael Stoll, we just put together a surf leg that's pretty much a modified peg leg. And it, through a bunch of trial and error, it ended up working. And I, w I was sold from there. But I did have a, a lot of doubt as far as being able to do this activity because, you know, you keep thinking about, you know, am I going to lose my leg or is it going to get caught on kelp or is it going to weigh me down? Like there's so much more to think about instead of just thinking about going to learn how to surf. But once I got over that and just kept doing it consistently, it just proved to me that it was completely possible. A quick break to tell you about Find a PT the American Physical Therapy Association's national database of physical therapists. PTs are movement experts who treat people of all ages and abilities, helping them to improve and maintain function and quality of life. Don't wait until you have an injury to see a PT. Contact one today and learn how you can improve your fitness and prevent health problems before they start. You can contact a physical therapist near you, no physician referral required, by going to moveforwardpt.com. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. When did you discover that adaptive surfing was a thing, that there were actually like competitions you could enter and that kind of thing? I first found out about adaptive surfing competitions when I went to Oahu, Hawaii. I was there just to watch some other surf competitions, and I was surfing, and then I was coming out of the water. And as I came out of the water, this woman, Kara Troy, she came running up to me, and she was like, oh, do you want to be in our adaptive surfing competition? 
And I just said, sure, and I did very well. I was against guys, and I wasn't only against the guys, I was against other people that were below the knee amputees. I was the only above knee amputee, and I ended up getting third. So that was very encouraging, and uh, this was back in 2010. So this was before I ended up going into school for my doctorate and everything. So for a little bit there, competition was put on the back burner so I could go to school. But once I graduated, I was able to pick it up in full force. But even at that point, your experience uh, finishing third, as you said, I mean, did, did, did that kind of tell you, did it kind of pique your interest and, think, and make you think, hmm, this is, this is something that I can, uh, I can excel at? Oh, yeah. And then the fact that during competitions, yes, you have a limited period of time to surf, but you get to surf at these amazing breaks that are usually really, really crowded with only two other people. So that was a very big drawing factor for me. And then competing in surfing, it just very quickly increased my ability and improved my ability to surf. So I definitely appreciated that a lot. Did you find that your experiences with surfing helped you in other ways, like in your life outside surfing and in your job in terms of uh, self-confidence and, and what have you? Oh, yeah. It transferred so much into my everyday life. I mean, just having to walk through soft sand with a prosthesis, I mean, it improved my balance. It, it improved my endurance as far as paddling all the time. Uh, it had so much to transfer over to my everyday life because it is definitely – not an easy task to walk around with an above knee um, prosthesis, that's for sure. Um, and as far as sports, being a, an amputee, that's where things get a little difficult, too, because you're in this static socket that could hurt if you're weight-bearing on it all the time and doing these, like, high-impact sports. But with surfing, I never had an issue. You know, I, I'm paddling a lot. Yes, I'm popping up and standing and surfing. But I was able to drastically improve my strength and endurance quickly uh, with this type of sport. Let's fast forward a bit. Uh, in, in 2016, you were crowned the U.S. Adaptive Surfing Champion, uh, defeating male competitors also. And um, after three consecutive years of representing Team USA, you became a first-ever Women's World Adaptive Surfing Champion in, in 2017, last year. So all that's a long way from having woken up from a medically-induced coma 14 years ago to find out that your right leg was gone. So, I mean, how does all this feel to you, uh, where you've come from and, and where you are now? It's very surreal That's when I look back at everything. I used to think about every step I took, and I would actually count them because I was in so much pain and I was so easily fatigued. But now I'm working a full-time job. I'm on my feet all day, physically assisting other people. So when I'm walking sometimes, I just all of a sudden I'll realize that I'm not even thinking about it. I don't feel anything. And that moment is just so amazing to me. Like, it's just like, it seems like such a little thing, but it's just so, I'm so proud of that. And overall, I'm extremely proud of my titles, but what I'm most proud of is just being able to surf. The ocean itself just means so much to me. So it's helped me mentally, physically, and it's just, a place that I've always really considered home. So I just feel really privileged to be able to live this life. Just in terms of logistics and juggling things, I mean, is, is it hard to be a full-time physical therapist and also a competitive uh, adaptive uh, surfer? Fortunately, it's not. 
So with my job, I work four ten, four ten hour shifts. So I'm able to surf at least three times a week, if not more. I'm lucky to be able to switch my schedule if I need to, if there's competition coming up, and my coworkers are very supportive of my athletic pursuit, so it's never been an issue. I read a, a great quote in which you, uh, you told a, a TV interviewer, and, and I'm quoting you here. Uh, you said, uh, think about it. You can discriminate against me in so many ways. I'm disabled, I'm female, and I'm gay. But I'm just stoked about who I am now. I love that quote, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about where that positivity comes from and, and what you feel your personal story says to, to people with and without disabilities uh, who may be intimidated by a goal that, that they may fear is unachievable for them. Reflecting on my life, it was just never really a walk in the park for me. Like I, I, like I mentioned before, my childhood was really difficult. It was abusive in many ways, and it, I just feel it prepared me for what was coming. And I think, you know, Frederick Douglass said it the best when he said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. And I feel that I've learned so much from my struggles. And I, I hope my story just shows people how important it is to have a curious mind or an open mind and to take whatever hardship or negativity they're going through and try to learn something from it and just move on. So uh, what, what's next for you from here? Uh, where do you see your athletic and physical therapy careers uh, going from here? Do, have, you, have you set new goals since you've already achieved probably a lot of the goals that you had originally set for yourself? For this year, I mean, I'm still competing in surfing, so I want to defend my title with the World Championships, that's for sure. And then as far as physical therapy, I feel that there's a bit of a gap between amputees and physical therapists and prosthetists, and I would like to sort of close that gap, whether it's through blogging or courses, whatever it may be, just to get more knowledge out there so that that's a goal of mine because that that in general would just pave a road for people I feel but overall I think it's really important for me to just appreciate where I am now I feel that I've accomplished so many goals that I put out there and uh, I think it's very important to take a second and really bask in it and enjoy it and appreciate it. Well, Danny Burke, thanks so much for speaking with us on Move Forward Radio. We really have appreciated it. Oh, yeah, no problem. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com.